Hello and welcome to episode three from season one of my podcast. I'm excited to be consistently sharing stories on here. I've heard some constructive feedback from my friends and I really appreciate you guys who reached out and said that you actually listened to my podcast. So thank you to all of you who did. This week's episode is called Near Death on Mount Lafayette. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, there's this trail on the East Coast called the Appalachian Trail, and it runs down the Appalachian Mountains from Maine down to Georgia, and it takes usually like six months to do the through hike, Um, but there's lots of really beautiful sections in New Hampshire and Vermont, uh, Massachusetts, that a lot of people like to do section hikes, Um, and the most challenging uh, and dangerous section of the hike is the White Mountains in New Hampshire, which is uh, a specific part of the trail. Uh, So these mountains are very unpredictable weather-wise, as well as um, the elevation gain uh, and the prominence of the mountains is pretty significant, especially for East Coast mountains. So many of you have probably heard of Mount Washington, which is one of the highest peaks uh, east of the Mississippi. It's actually not the highest one. Um, The highest peak is in North Carolina, which I actually didn't know until recently doing some research. Um, But but Mount Washington has the most extreme weather in the world, which I know a lot of people probably won't believe, but just Google it. Um, There's very strange weather patterns in this area. There's like an intersection of weird like wind patterns that create like extreme winds and really unpredictable like rainfall and extremely cold weather in unpredictable months like in the summer it can snow um, and lots and lots of people have gotten into a lot of trouble um, on these peaks they're above tree line um, so the presidential traverse is essentially a 20 or so mile spread along the white mountains um, where there's all these different mountains that are named after the president. So there's like Mount Lafayette, uh, there's Eisenhower, there's Mount Washington. You get the drill. Um, So yeah, now that you understand, I took three semesters off of college in the middle of my college career. Um, And during that time, I got kind of into hiking When I say kind of into hiking, I mean, I would go to the White Mountains with my brother, who was a pretty experienced hiker. Um, He hiked the long trail by himself when he was 19. Uh, He went and did like the base camp trek in Nepal. Uh, He knew what he was doing. So I would go on hikes with him, pretty easy hikes, day hikes. Uh, Started to really enjoy it, whatever. So it was right after my gap year, gap year and a half, Um, and I was having a pretty rough summer. Uh, I took a bunch of classes on campus during the summer, uh, really accelerated, difficult classes. I took like an environmental biology class, and uh, it was just a lot of work, Um, and then I had this internship in Philadelphia. It was a private equity internship, and it was pretty stressful, and I was kind of stressed at the time. I also had a pretty bad breakup with somebody who I had been sort of in a relationship with and 
So hopping back to my internship, I'm going to be kind of hopping around during the story. So there's some little side stories. Um, but yeah, so I was in this internship in Philadelphia. I really probably shouldn't have been in this internship. I was not enjoying it. Uh, it was the weekend, the first weekend after the first week of the internship. And my toxic ex, who had been living in New York City at the time, texted me and asked me to come visit him in the city. And I knew that it was not a good idea, but I was naive. I was 20 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I drove from Philadelphia to New York City that Friday and stayed with him. And it was just a toxic, awful experience. And I didn't really know what to do. Uh, So then that Sunday, I drove all the way to Boston. I went back to Philadelphia got all my stuff, drove to Boston. Uh, My internship was just a short-term internship anyway, so um, that didn't really get interfered with. Um, Drove to Boston, (laughs) went to REI, I'm not even kidding, walked into REI, like this little tiny (laughs) 100-pound stupid girl, and I go up to the guy and I was like, I'm hiking the Presidential Traverse, like this week and I need you to tell me what gear I need and he was like you're gonna die are you crazy and I was like it can't be that hard like it's New Hampshire come on it's not Colorado so I go into REI and I get all this stuff I get a can of Veramace I get I don't know I got some like stupid hiking pants where you could zip the bottom off because I didn't know how cold it was going to be or how hot it was going to be and I wanted to have like lightweight options and I didn't know what I was doing got a bunch of cliff bars and I was like we're gonna do this and then I went home and my brother and my mom had a few boxes in the basement with old hiking equipment and survival equipment and I kind of went through that stuff and I took my mom's old hiking bag from the 80s. It was like retro uh, Osprey or something and it had these cool neon colors and I was like, this looks cool. This will look cool in my Instagram. I'm going to use this backpack. It was probably so heavyweight compared to the modern backpacking bags, but I just thought it looked cool. So I decided I was going to use it. And then I told my brother, I said, I want to have a knife to protect myself from the animals in the forest. (laughs) So, and I wanted to have a knife that I could easily access. I was completely crazy and so dumb. Um, So I was kind of going through these boxes in the basement and I found this old scuba diving knife that my dad, my dad was, is Venezuelan. He grew up in Venezuela and he used to do a lot of spear fishing in Venezuela which is basically where you hold your breath and you go with fins into the depths of some reefs and you go into caves and then you use a spear gun to shoot fish and lobsters and all sorts of creatures underwater and in case of any emergency you have this scuba knife which is attached to your leg and it's made with like underwater rubber Like, it looks like it was meant to be underwater. It's, like, rubber and has this weird water-looking clip thing on it. And I was like, that's the one. I'm going to put this on my leg, and I'm going to look like Laura Croft, and it's going to be dope. 
Again, like I said, completely crazy. So I didn't really plan my route at all. I just knew that there were lean-tos in certain locations on the map and there were those AMC huts that I could stay in. And I was planning on mostly staying in lean-tos, which are uh, wooden platforms with a little bit of a roof over them and you set up your tent or your tarp on the lean-to or you can even just put a camping mat and a sleeping bag if it's not raining and then sleep in there. Um, it has three sides and then it's open on the other side. Um, so my plan was to stay there and then if I got into trouble or if I was really lazy, I would stay in the AMC huts and I had a map and I had my Garmin InReach Explorer, which is a satellite GPS, my bear mace, my knife, my zip off pants. And I was like, let's freaking send it. Like, let's go. And I was looking at the weather and this was super last minute. Like I wanted to hike it the next day. I'm not even kidding. I was going to drive there that night, stay overnight in like a motel and then start the hike the next day. And I didn't know how many days the hike was going to take. I was assuming it was going to be like four or five days. Wasn't quite sure. Was just going to kind of wing it. Um, so anyway, I started tracking the weather. Not that I cared because I was going to hike regardless of the weather. But the weather was chance of rain, like 60%. Uh, temperatures at the base, 50 to 60 degrees. Temperatures at the top, like between 40 and you know 30 high 30s like low 40s um so pretty cold but the base was going to be 60 it was the summer rain it's just water what is it going to do right no big deal no big deal at all so i was advised not to go of course by everyone who i told i was going to go on this expedition um but I said, you know what, I'm an adult and I'm going to do it no matter what anybody tells me, which is dumb. So my mom drops me off in the trailhead parking lot and I have my new REI pants on with the zipped off bottom portion. So they're essentially just shorts. I have my scuba knife strapped to my calf, straight up Laura Croft style. Um, or like uh, Angelina Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith when she has her knife like sexually placed on her leg. It, I literally, the only reason I put it there is because I thought it looked cool. Um, it had no use to me. I think the knife was completely dull. Like it probably would have done more harm than good, but I thought it looked cool. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I had like my cute little Lululemon shirt on and matched the colors to mat match my backpack. Uh, my retro 80s neon colored backpack on this little bandana I thought it was so cool and yeah my mom is like freaking out in the parking lot like my poor girl I was like don't worry mom I can do this I'm a runner like this is no problem it's not even that many miles like I run more than this every day don't worry about me so I start off on my trek and I'm going up I'm going up going up and this is my first day of the hike right and I didn't really have a plan of where I was going to stay. Um, somewhere near the base or the mid area of Mount Lafayette. That was kind of the idea, like to, to summit Lafayette and then, um, when it, depending on the time, decide where I was going to stay the night. Um, which would have been roughly at 
12 mile hike or a 10 mile hike. It wasn't that far. It was pretty doable. So I'm going along, going along. There's not a lot of people hiking. I think I ran into like one or two other people. It was pretty damn cold, but I was sweating because I was going uphill. So I still kept my shorts on. Um, and I reached the first summit and it started kind of drizzling a little bit, like a dusting of rain, but I wasn't too worried about it. It was, I was still warm, uh, going along, going along, pretty scared, but didn't want to admit it to myself that I was scared. Uh, I was all alone in the forest and then I start to go up towards the peak of Mount Lafayette. And Mount Lafayette is pretty high um, for New Hampshire. It's above tree line at the top, um, which means it's just all rocky. Uh, so it's really easy to follow a trail when you're in the forest because when, when there's bad visibility because you can see where the tree line is cut out. Um, but if you're above tree line, it's just all rocks. And then there are cairns, which are those uh, stacks of rocks that help you kind of guide your way, but it's much more difficult to see where you're going. So I'm going up this pretty steep section of Lafayette. Uh, physically, I was doing just fine. I wasn't tired at all. It was a little bit cold. Um, and right before I reached kind of the crest of the tree line, uh, this man comes down the opposite direction. And I didn't really know who he was at the time because I was so naive and didn't do my research, but um, I later learned that he was like this trail angel person. Apparently the Appalachian Mountain Club has these volunteers of um, people who are really experienced and they kind of go out on the trails and uh, determine whether it's safe or not. And they warn um, hikers not to go up above treeline if it's dangerous. Um, and they also just monitor the trails in case somebody is getting into trouble. Um, and they wear these like yellow jackets. Um, but I didn't really know who the guy was. I just thought it was some random dude. And he's coming down off the ridge and he kind of looks at me with this scared look and he goes, I really wouldn't recommend going up there. There's zero visibility. It's raining and it's really cold and sketchy. And I was like, stop mansplaining me. Like I'm, I can do this. I just because I'm a girl, like, I thought he was saying it because I was this young girl, and maybe he thought that I wasn't, like, physically capable of doing the hike, and I was kind of offended, and I was so dumb because he was so right, <laughs> but I said, well, thank you very much, but I'm gonna continue on, and I'll be okay, and he goes, okay, well, like, just be careful and make sure you don't lose a trail, so I go up onto the ridge, and it starts to rain pretty hard. Keep in mind, I don't have gloves on. I don't have a raincoat on. I don't have pants on. I'm wearing a Lululemon single layer long sleeve shirt. Like you probably know which one it is. It's just the basic bitch one that everyone has. Uh, these little cargo shorts from REI. My hiking boots, uh, no hat, no gloves. And then my backpack. So I'm trekking along and I literally cannot see anything, like total whiteout in a cloud. I could probably see like 10 feet in front of me, and I was still kind of following the trail because there wasn't any snow on the ground or anything like that. It was just raining, so I could sort of see where the trail was going. I wasn't too scared that I was going to lose the trail, but then it starts whipping wind, like super, super high winds, probably like 60 mile per hour wind gusts, and the rain is like coming sideways and I start to get 
really cold. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep hiking. I'm going to keep going. I know that the Greenleaf Hut, which is one of those AMC shelter huts, um, which has food and uh, people working there, and they can help me if I'm in any trouble. That hut is so close to me. It's like four miles from the position that I was in, um, which was just at the bottom in the valley of uh, Lafayette. So not quite at the base of Lafayette, but like once you go down the peak and just enter the tree line, the hut is kind of nestled there at the bottom next to a lake. It's really beautiful. And I had actually been there before. I had hiked Mount Lafayette before. So I sort of knew where, where I was and I wasn't too scared because I knew there was this hut and that was kind of my... To me, four miles was a distance that I ran pretty often and I would usually run it in roughly 30 minutes. So thinking I was kind of roughly four miles from the hut made me kind of confident that I was going to be able to pull off being like borderline hypothermic um, <laughs> because I thought, oh, it's only four miles. Like how long can it take? I'm not going to be that cold. I'm so close. Like this is really not that far of a distance. Um, but yeah, I like, you know, when your hands are so cold that you can't tie your shoelaces, that was the kind of situation that I had gotten myself into. I was freezing fucking cold in situations like that from skiing, like ski racing when my hands were really cold. Um, but yeah, at this moment, my hands were too cold to undo the buckle on my backpack. They just physically would not push in on the buckle. So I was like, okay, I'll just unzip my bag by reaching back and unzipping it from behind. And then I'll just reach in blindly and try to get my raincoat out. And then I'll put the raincoat over the backpack and my body and then I'll be fine. So I reach back and I'm trying to unzip my backpack and I can't unzip it. My hands are too fucking cold. And I'm like, do I stop and like sit next to a rock and try to warm up my hands so that I can unclip my bag and unclip my zipper? And I started to get kind of worried. And I looked at my chest and I had my Garmin kind of sitting there. And I was like, if I really, really needed to, I could open the little latch manually using my knife, which I could probably pull out. I could use my knife to open up the latch and then hit the SOS button if my fingers don't let me do it because I'm too cold. Like, I knew I could get the knife out. I was thinking about like, what am I going to do? But I was like, I'm not going to hit SOS. Like I'm not, I'm not in a life or death situation and nobody's going to be able to help me at this point. So I'm pretty fucking scared. This was kind of the first moment. I know this sounds dramatic, but I think it was the first moment in my entire life where I was like, okay, I really fucked up because I couldn't see anything. I had no idea how far the hut was from me. I didn't even know if I was on top of the mountain. I was completely soaking wet and like so immobile and shaking so much that I couldn't even access my backpack so my only thought was I need to just keep moving so that I don't get cold and keep taking quick steps and make it to the fucking hut before I die um and that was literally all I was focused on was just like one step after the other and at the moment where I was like the most scared 
um, I'm kind of like, I hear this sound. It's so windy. The wind is howling. And I hear this kind of sound behind me. And I turn around and there's a man approaching me from behind, coming the way that I had came from. Um, and he was with a woman and they were both not in the best shape. Um, they had their raincoats on um, and they definitely were more prepared than I was. But um, the woman was visibly shaking. The man was like looking pretty concerned. Um, and they took one look at me and they were like, holy shit. Like, I don't know what they were thinking, but they were probably like, this girl is going to die. Um, I probably looked like a ghost. I was probably blue. Um, and they came up to me and they said, oh, like you look really cold. Um, let's get your raincoat out from your bag. And I told them that I couldn't open it. I could barely even speak. Um, so they got the raincoat out and put it on me. But at this point, you know, I would, it was already like beyond saving. Like I, I was already so cold. Um, and they said, we're going to go to the Greenleaf hut and everything's going to be fine. Uh, just one step after another, we'll stay together. So we start hiking together. Um, and it was this really kind Iranian man, um, and his wife and, um, they kind of took me by the reins and it was the, the man was like in control. He was the least cold and the most, you know, sane head on his shoulders knew what he was doing. He was leading the way. And then me and his wife were, um, like not in the best shape and we were just kind of following behind, um, but sticking together. And it was the fucking coldest, most miserable trek down these wet rocks for like another two miles, which feels like forever in these scrambling rocky conditions. And finally, finally, I see the hut and I'm like, holy shit. Okay. We made it to the hut. So we opened the and I walk in soaking wet in my shorts with my knife and my neon backpack and my head and my hair is completely soaked and I'm like convulsing so cold shivering so much and there were like this there's group of ladies these women sitting at a table and they're like so dry and warm and they're literally drinking wine like they had these cups and they're drinking wine they have a wine bottle on the table and I'm like what is this happy hour like what the fuck is going on like I literally almost died and there were these women in here just like chilling drinking wine and they take one look at me and <laughs> they're like oh my god and they rush over to me and I thought I was kind of okay at this point I was like I'm in the hut like nothing's nothing's wrong with me like I'll be okay they like rush up to me and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're like, no, you're not. Um, they give me these blankets, um, an emergency blanket. Uh, they gave me like towels and the people working there like gave me like some blankets and some food. Um, and the very kind couple uh, came inside for a little while. They weren't actually going to stay there for the night, but they came in for a couple of hours to warm up as well. Um, and it was probably like 5 p.m. at this time. And yeah, so I didn't realize that how cold I was at the time, but I was sitting on this kind of bench in the Greenleaf hut. Um, and I think I was shivering for two hours straight. Like that's how long it took me to 
for my body to like feel normal again. Um, and after kind of doing some research and like reading a little bit about hypothermia, I think I was at like the beginning stages of hypothermia. And probably if I had decided to do that maneuver and like sit under a rock and try to warm up my hands to get into my backpack, I probably would have had much worse hypothermia and could have even died. Um, And if it hadn't been for the very kind couple that encouraged me to get down off the ridge, like, I don't know what would have happened because I was strongly considering going behind the rock to get the raincoat. And I'm so, so lucky that I ran into those people who helped me get my raincoat because, yeah, I don't I don't know what would have happened. Um, it was pretty scary. But anyway, so I'm in this hut and I'm finally kind of warming up and I start chatting with this group of women and their daughters and their daughters were all 20 years old. It was a group of three daughters and um, three moms. And it was interesting because the daughters were like exactly my age um, in college. And um, this was kind of like their fun little retreat. And they had decided to stay in the hut for the whole day because of the weather. And they were just in there drinking wine, which was so funny. Um, Such a contrast to my experience of the day. But yeah, so the moms started, you know, giving me the whole mom talk. I think they kind of took me under their wing and thought that I was one of their daughters or something. And and they told me how dangerous it was for me to be out there by myself as a woman. You know, the whole talk about being a young woman in the wilderness, which is complete bullshit. But they were right about one thing, which was that I was completely unprepared with my gear. Um, I did have rain pants and a raincoat in my bag, but when you feel your first drop of rain, you're supposed to put your gear on, or even if the weather calls for, like, any chance of that kind of stuff, you need to put your equipment on so that you don't get into the situation that I got myself into. Um, So that's something that I learned from that experience, Um, and so now every single time that I go hiking uh, by myself or with friends, Um, even if it's not an intense hike, like even not 14ers, just kind of moderate hikes here in Colorado, I will always pack a raincoat, even if there's a 0% chance of rain. Um, even if I'm in a big group and everybody thinks it's okay, I will always have a raincoat in my bag, uh, no matter what. So, and I think everyone should, I think it's like a necessary piece of equipment. Um, I also carry an emergency blanket with me. Um, every single time I go hiking and also ski touring and, you know, some people might say it's overkill, but, um, when you almost die and need an emergency blanket to help you warm up, um, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's overkill. Um, and it was kind of interesting because I went hiking with a big group of people here in Colorado in the summer and it was actually my idea to go on the hike. Um, I kind of texted my group chat and asked some people if they wanted to join me Um, and these people who were quite inexperienced said yes and I kind of sent them a list of things that they should really bring on the hike and we're going to go you know above 14,000 feet in the summer uh, when there's storms all the fucking time and it's unpredictable and I said you must bring a raincoat and then I learned later on when they were up there that like none of them had packed their raincoat and I was like pretty upset not 
because they didn't listen to me, but I was like, you don't know what you're, you like, you don't know what the fuck can happen. Um, so yeah, that was pretty scary. Um, and yeah, I mean, I continued my hike the next day, but I was pretty shaken and I, I decided to cut my trip short, um, by a couple of days. So I didn't end up going as far as I wanted. Um, and also like my brother had texted me, um, I think through my like GPS, uh, which receives text messages, um, that, you know, it was a really sketchy weekend to be hiking and it would be safest if I like decided to go back a different time when the weather was safer. Um, so anyway, I did my Mount Washington summit and then went down and later learned that the same night, the evening that I got into my sketchy situation on Lafayette, um, a man on Mount Washington, which is literally right next to Lafayette, like right behind it, a very similar climate and weather. A man had died, um, from hypothermia and a woman had to be airlifted and rescued, um, from extreme hypothermia and almost died. So I wasn't the only one and it could have been a lot worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like a really crazy experience, but, um, I like learned so much from it. I was so naive and so dumb and had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I think a lot of people when they get into hiking, they think it's kind of this like, I don't know, innate, easy thing like you just do one step after another like how hard can it be but there's so many variables that go into hiking and so many dangerous situations that can come up um so you really have to you know check the weather and make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into um because lots of people do die and like i said before somebody did die that day so um this is kind of a less comedic podcast episode but um yeah, that's my presidential traverse Lafayette story. Yeah, I'll catch you guys next week on my podcast. Um, I'll have another crazy story for you to listen to, and I hope you enjoyed this one. Bye.